FM Breakfast Show with the double L team, Lyle and Lawson. And of course, you're listening on 87.6, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. Positively different radio in the morning. Lawson, what are you thankful for today? Oh, I am thankful that I get to be a part of amazing work helping people and helping students. Nice. I am super grateful for that because over the next two days, um, we are preparing to do a food drive on the Newcastle University campus. Now, this is something that we've done before. And basically, it's exam exam period right now. Everyone is doing late-nighters, living in the library, staying up, you know, and, and just eating barely any food and just getting all this work done, preparing for the end-of-semester exams. And so what we'll do is show up with a bunch of free, healthy, vegan tasty, amazing food, and give it to them. Yes, you will. So if you're over at the Newcastle Union and you're listening in this morning, get ready for it. Make sure you don't miss out because it's going to be amazing. Yeah, that's right. Well, basically our system is we just like go to all the people. We It's fully word of mouth. Like we barely advertise. Uh, but we just tell people that we know. And it was, that was actually yesterday. I was like walking around on campus and I'd see someone I know. I'm like, hey, what's up? How are you, man? Hey, do you want f- free food? And And they're like, Yes. I'm, I'm a student. Like, obviously, yes. And it's like, <laughs> I, I'm like, hey, we're doing this food drive. And so then I just, they sign up and then they decide whether they want to pick it up or we deliver it to them. Nice. So Fantastic. exciting thing. And you're preaching there this uh, Saturday? Yes, I am. I am preaching. I'm and gonna, I inspired your sermon. I understand. Yeah, <laughs> I'm claiming it. I'm claiming it. <laughs> we had a conversation uh, about a topic and then I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. As we get into our day, and of course, we're about to get into our quiz this morning. We always begin our day with a quiz. Just want to remind everybody, we'd love to hear from our listeners, and we tend to have more people who participate in the show in the second half when we have the Bible study, but we'd love to hear your thoughts on the first half of the show. Our number, of course, is 0491064669, so you can call or text on that number if there's any of these stories, interesting stories that we spend our time researching here, that you would like to comment on. Mm -hmm. Lawson, what... Where are we up to with our quiz this morning? Okay, we're going to the first question of the quiz. Okay, let's do it. And the first question of today's quiz is, oh, the first clue, uh, is that this person is Manasseh's father. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know who Manasseh's father was. And if you do, you can go into the draw to win, at the end of this week, the Andrews Study Bible. Now, the difference between the quiz that we were doing in May and the quiz that we're doing in June, it's very, it's very similar. You know, we're doing a draw at the end of the week, but it's that every single question throughout the show has a different answer. So yes. potentially you could get in five answers a show. That's right. Whereas, we would like, encourage you to do so because there's a hundred dollars worth of leather bound Bible. That's right. Photo, our- so you want to get as many tries in there as you can. That's right. Our prize for this week is the Andrews Study Bible The that just apparently keeps getting more and more expensive as we find out more about it. Yes, uh, the recommended retail on it was like 140 Yeah, we said it was 100 but, we did. but we we're just... We sold ourselves short. We did, we did. But you will have the chance to win 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. And again, that clue was, I am Manasseh's father. If you know who that is, give us a call, give us a text. Tell us who it is. Fantastic stuff. What have we got in positively different news this morning? All right, La, I have a question to ask you. Yes. What do you think has been the most successful non 
human in mm. like the urban and city biome. Biome. Yeah. A fox. A cat. A dog. Mm. A rat. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Ah, I got, got it. it. I got Eventually it. you got it. Yes. And like outside of domesticated pets. Yes. Like, oh, okay. Not domesticated ones. Well, like, you know, how can you class the success of a dog as success when it just gets looked after? Yeah, that's true, you know. Yeah. I don't think my dog would survive at all on his own. That's right. Whereas, Even if I let him go in the bush, he would not survive. Whereas rats are absolutely... Survivors. Survivors, yeah. They are by far the most successful in the urban biome. More and so colonizers. than, like, feral cats, more so than anything else. Yes. Like, rats are the the best at surviving, but probably... And pretty much taken over the whole world. Yeah. I agree. I agree. They've, they've gone everywhere. I mean, here in Australia, our native rats have really been depleted in numbers because of the European rats that have come in and taken over. Mm. Uh, and so as a result, you know, of stories like you're just sharing right now and the fact that rats can, you know, harbour plague and disease and all kinds of things, not yes. many people look on the rat fondly. No, uh, no. We, the, the rats, you know, even no. though they're great success... Step on them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Even though they are greatly successful, uh, they are, yeah, not looked looked upon fondly. No. no one is super keen to... You know, rats aren't up there on the list of pets even. Well, they, they get in your house and they they poop on everything and they pee on everything and they chew on everything and they spread disease. That's right. You know, there, there, are, there are wild animals that people will actually pay to travel to see. Uh, whereas rats are literally the complete opposite. Yeah, no. Everyone wants uh-uh. to pay to not see them. Well, I've got uh, a friend. I've got a friend who is um, does kind of semi professional house sitting, and her next house sitting job has two pet rats that she's got to look after. Cute. That's awesome. Apparently, they are. No, oh, there you go. But they are super intelligent as well. Okay, well, tell us about rats. But this, uh, th- some rats are doing some good things. Lyle, uh, a 33-year-old research scientist named Donna, Dr. Donna Keane from Glasgow, she's currently living in Moragoro in Tan- uh, Tanzania, and she is training rats to be first responders in earthquake situations. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So basically, no. they've got these rats that have these backpacks, and on these backpacks, it has like a microphone and you know a camera and whatnot. And she is training them to go into earthquake rubble and to find people. That is pure genius. Yes, so smart. And so they they go in, they find the people, you know, and then the people if they're um, like conscious. if they're conscious, they can communicate with, you know, the backpack on the rat's back or, uh, if they're unconscious, you know, it has a camera and they can, it has a tracker on it, this backpack so that they can find, okay, where is the rat? There's, you know, where this person is, uh, let's f- focus and target that area. And Tanzania is doing this. Go Tanzania. Go Tanzania. Well, this that's, that's, epic. that's where the research is going to be done in a, in a conservationist, uh, area there, uh, as a part of this non-for-profit organization called, a P O P O, A P O P O, a popo, 
I would expect this kind of uh, research or you know, I, was, I was thinking, no, he's going to say, you know, Japan or somewhere like that. You know, one of these leading, you know, technological countries where they have lots of earthquakes have come up with this new thing and they're going to train rats. Nope, Tanzania. Tanzania, getting Go it done. It. Yes. Good job, Tanzania. And so it's so interesting to me because the the very thing that has made the rats so successful or like I guess the, maybe the symptom of their success is that they just infest cities. Uh, because of the kind of things they are. And they can literally go anywhere. Yeah. Have you ever noticed you cannot make a cupboard that is tight enough, the doors are tight enough to be rat-proof because they will slide through where you can only slide a piece of paper through and you see it, watch the rat go, and it's like, how did it go through there? Yeah. That's it's right. just like they flatten themselves out and slide underneath the door, and it's like, no, stay out of my cupboard. <laughs> so but these are the perfect animals. The perfect. And they're so intelligent. Mm-hmm. They're the perfect animal for this for this job, and they reckon to train to train each rat to be fully proficient at this job takes only around two weeks. And so there's an earthquake, and you just turn up with thousands of rats mm. and just let them run. Well, at the moment they've trained up. This is like very much in its development stage. Yes. They've trained up seven rats, but their goal is to train up three hundred. To yes. have 300, like, trained rats on standby Take with their little backpacks the ready to go to to solve earthquakes, to, to help people. Yeah, I want to see this. I want to see this first time this is actually used and I want to see how effective it is because I think this is just, like, whoever even thought of it's such so a thing. <laughs> it's so genius. It's so genius. Oh, because, yeah, just rats for a long time. It's like, okay, this is what they're good at. Let's exploit that. Yeah. It's so smart. Anyways, oh, in this other... it be like uh, earthquake rescue will be kind of like going ferreting. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just kind of send send them out there, help them find the holes, get it done. Wow. That's awesome. Hey, in other news, uh, the state of Virginia uh, last month has, you know, under its new rookie Republican uh, governor, has basically uh, done away with all, not all, but police quotas in terms of um, fining people like tickets. Driving, yes. driving people and yes. arrests as well. Yes. Oh, really? Yeah, arrests too. They've done away yep. with quotas. But yeah, the the highlight, the highlight for me, quotas always create corruption. They've done away with quotas on how uh, on how many people they have to find, you know, on the roads. Mm-hmm. So you know, this like we don't have that in Australia anymore, do we? What quotas? Yeah. Of course we do. What do for you mean? Fines. Well, like we we do things to. Like the the reason that quotas exist is to make money, and Australia is actively doing things to I'm to gonna, I'm steal ask, your money. I'm going to ask some of my police officer friends whether quotas are still. I I understood that quotas were not a thing in Australia. Nah, no. I, if I you're a police officer. We want to know if you've got a relative who's a police officer. We want to know are quotas still a thing in Australia? Surely they are. Well, in Australia, they make policy to steal your money. Like they they're like, oh, we're going to take out off all the signs, you know, from the speed cameras, and we're going to like, you know, make mobile speed cameras and put them everywhere, and we're going to make mobile phone cameras. Okay, I think I kind of think mobile phone cameras are a good idea. It's just the only problem is that I have been personally attacked by mobile phone cameras. Yes, me too. And I've lost my, you know points and money, uh, which is actually probably a good thing. Probably a good thing. Stop using my mobile mobile phone by driving. But the the principle is that it shouldn't be on a quota basis. <laughs> and yeah, It should be on... Well, a camera doesn't work on a quota basis. Oh, yeah. It just gets everyone. Yeah. 
That's right. That's right. But uh, the point that I'm making is that this is a good change uh, to mm. ban quotas. And this is along with 20 other states in the United States, you know, such as Arkansas, California, Connecticut, Florida, Illinois, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, New Jersey, New York, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Wisconsin, which is producer Shell's state. So I wanted to get that one in there last. But yeah, congratulations. This is this is fantastic legislation. <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Time for the second question for our quiz this morning, or the second quiz for the question. The clue for the quiz. Yes, we've got five different questions this morning, and you can answer all five and get your name in five different times in the draw for... $140 worth of leather-bound study Bible. Epic. Okay, the disciples were called Christians for the first time in this city. 0491-064-669 is the number to call if you know the answer. And if you do, you can, you know, call us, text us. Make sure you say that you want to enter enter the quiz, and you will go into the draw to win the Andrews Study Bible, the bonded leather black version that is just epic and very amazing. Having a good Bible is always a great investment. You know, you can, like, it's not it's not necessarily a requirement. I know that me and Lyle get around with Bibles that are kind of falling apart, but that's because they're good Bibles. Yes, that's right. Um, and, not and, good quality binding. But yeah, but like... We just like the format. I just, just love it so much. And this is a Bible that is fantastic. I have, I don't have this Bible specifically, but I have a Bible that's very, very similar that's put out by the same publisher, and they're just, they're just great. They are awesome. And guys, you can win it for free. Like, we're, we're giving it to you if you answer these questions correctly. So, get the next clue, the cl- next quiz clue in. Uh, yes, again, which was the disciples were called Christians for the first time in this city. 0491-064-669. All right. So, uh, we've had another church shooting. In Nigeria? Yes. Okay. Because you mentioned Nigeria earlier. But yes. Yeah, okay, but this is in a string of church shootings that we talked about on the show recently. And this is one of the problems that we have. You have a church shooting in the United States and it rocks the world. You have one in Nigeria and everyone's like, ah, yawn, because it happened last mm. week as well, and the week before, and the week before, and mm. the week before. And this is this is really horrific. We should be we should be just as horrified and we should be throwing just as yeah. much support behind Nigeria and the atrocities happening there as what we are doing in the United States. Mm. You know, because you know, Joe Biden stands up and like, oh, this this whole thing is unique to America. No, it's not unique to America. There are countries around the world that are far, far worse mm. where you'll have, you know, 250 students that are taken captive or whatever from a school rather than a school being, you know, as opposed to a school being shot up. So this was a Catholic church in southwest Nigeria uh, during worship on Sunday. Um, at least 50 people were killed, and this is according to one of the doctors at wow. the local hospital. They don't know exactly wow. how many died. Uh, this was It was at the St. Francis Catholic Church in the town of Owo. Uh, the bishop and the parish priest both survived the attack unharmed. Uh, the, there's two hospitals in this particular town. One hospital had admitted 27 and adults and 13 children with injuries, which ranged from you know fairly mild to obviously extremely life-threatening. One of the ladies that came in had lost both of her legs as a result of uh, this particular shooting. Mm. And so, yes, this is not unique to America. What is unique to America is the level of horror we feel when it happens in America. 
Mm. This is something, and as I mentioned yesterday, I could pretty much do a story every day on Nigeria and what is happening in Nigeria. When it happens in Nigeria, it's a statistic. Mm. When it happens in America, it's an atrocity. It's a tragedy. Yeah. And somehow or another, I don't know how, we need to change our mindset on this. Mm. And we need to be standing behind the people of Nigeria and praying for the people of Nigeria and doing what we can to alleviate these kinds of problems that are taking place in Nigeria. We're happy, you know, if there's a, if there's a, if you had a shooting like this that took place here in Australia and 50 people had died and a whole slew of them went to hospital with injuries, Mm. imagine the uproar, imagine the outrage, imagine the, you know, the anniversaries that there, that would take place, you know, every year, every 10 years, every 20 years, whatever it might be. We Mm. would remember these people, we'd build a memorial to them. Their names would be listed on a piece of stone somewhere. Mm. It happens in Nigeria. It's like, oh, yeah, Nigeria. Mm. Because it happens every week. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to move on with another story. I just want you all to think about that because the value of these people's lives is no different from the value of Australians' lives Mm. or Americans' lives. And we're seeing, like, again, like religious persecution here as well. Yeah, it has a religious motivation. All of these, all of mm. these atrocities, all of these tragedies have a, you know, a, an ideological motivation at some mm. point. And it's just incredibly sad, like, because I feel like that's a way that we can really relate to these people. Like, you know, there are so many things about our life that is the same as theirs, so many things about our life that's different to theirs. But I think one of the primary ways that we, motiv- like, we relate to them is the fact that these are bunch of christians going to church on the weekend just like us yep and i'm not scared for my life when i walk into newcastle you need to go to church but (laughs) these people are it costs them to go to church Mm. every time they go to church they go to church with the risk that this might happen wow okay so this is a story coming from uh what's called fight for schools director uh ian Pryor. uh he runs this particular program in the United States, and I'd never heard of it before, but Fight for Schools has noted that in the United States, about one in five children suffer with some uh, level of malnutrition. Mm. So one in five children in the US are obese, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, what can we do to solve this particular problem? And so let's make really uh, nutritious lunches. So at least they get one decent meal a day. They might have junk food for breakfast, which a lot of them probably don't have breakfast. They might have junk food for dinner, but let's give them one good meal a day. And so he administers several nutrition-related programs, including the WIC and the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program called SNAP, Um, Mm. also the National School Lunch Program, and they provide free or low-cost lunches for children. How many do you reckon? 30 million kids a day. Wow. So this is no small small operation. Now, schools are awarded money uh, from the uh, Food Nutrition Service, FNS, which is an agency of the USDA, the Mm -hmm. uh, uh, US uh, Department of Agriculture. And uh, the Department of Agriculture, of course, is run by the federal government, Joe Biden being in charge. Well, Joe Biden has just come out and stated that the Department of Agriculture is no longer going to provide lunches, nutritious lunches for children in schools that do not enforce radical gender ideology and give boys access to girls' safe spaces such as 
<laughs> toilets and change rooms, <laughs> no. etc. So basically, if you're not going to let your boys into the girls' uh, toilets and change rooms, then we're going to uh, use nutrition as the kids' nutrition as a leverage, and we're going to hold you to ransom. Come on, Joe. Why? It's just this is terrible. It's just like really, you're going to attack children. Yeah, you're going to you're going to do something that is going to damage the health of children just so that you can get boys into girls' toilets. This is that is so cringe, dude. That's come on. Oh, that is terrible. Uh, because like, okay, okay, okay. If they wanted to do something to vandalize these people, it's like. I'm just thinking, like, okay, what's a way that you can attack a school without attacking the children? But yeah. I'm like, is there is there a way? Both of them are attacks on children because one yeah. is uh, is just setting children, setting girls up to be abused, mm. and the other is increasing the level of malnutrition. That is such a good point. You're just like creating predators. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yikes. Okay, so uh, in Ohio, they they have a, they share a border with Canada. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh, the top destination for Ohio businesses export is Canada. About 40% of all of Ohio's export goes to Canada rather than to uh, surrounding states and so forth. Mm-hmm. That's worth more than $20 billion worth of Ohio goods and services exported to Canada each year. Mm-hmm. So Canada's just across the other side of the lake from Ohio. And the Canada, uh, sorry, the Ohio uh, <coughs> uh, legislature has just passed a resolution urging the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom to add Canada to a religious freedom watch list. Wow. Yeah, put it up there with you know in China, India, Hong Kong, etc. Mm-hmm. And this is because of the fact that religious leaders were jailed for their faith during the COVID crisis. Yeah. And they're like, okay, you're going to start doing that kind of thing, then please explain how that is different from you know Hong Kong or mm. China or... And, and that's not the only you, – you can be jailed in Canada for reading p- certain portions of Scripture, mm. certain passages of the Bible, like Romans chapter 1, for instance. Yikes. Uh, you can't read that in public in church without coming under threat of being thrown in jail. And so they're like, yeah, it's time. It's time they went on the watch list. Mm. It is interesting to see major countries like Canada losing their religious freedom. Maybe Revelation 13 is not far around the corner. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're going to have another clue for our quiz before we go to our interview of the day. All right, next clue for the quiz. I am the commander of the army of the king of Syria. I didn't feel I was being respected by the Lord's prophet. Who am I? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. And if you do, you text in the correct answer. You will go into the draw to win our Andrew's Study Bible, the bonded leather black edition, big, massive, expensive, awesome Bible um, that we'll be able to give to you, provided that you win the draw at the end of the week. So if you answer correctly uh, this question, there will be another chance that will be put into the draw. Another Another, what's the word? Another, another, another entry into the draw, and you will be good to go. But again, that question uh, was: um, I am the commander of the army of the king of Syria. I didn't feel I was being respected by the Lord's prophet. Who am I? All right. If you know the answer, send your message through right now. But we're about to go to our interview of the day, and of course, we have entered that part of the year when whale watching season has begun. Oh, so. Yes. 
We're going to talk about whales this morning, but maybe from a slightly different perspective. Dr. John Ashton joins us to talk about creation and evolution. And today, I understand, uh, Dr. John Ashton, that the subject is whales. Welcome to the show. Yes, hi, Lyle. Um, yes, uh, uh, quite a few years ago now, um, there was an article in uh, National Geographic back in August 2010 on the Valley of the Whales. Um, and um, this is a, a really interesting uh, valley. It's a World Heritage Area in Egypt, in the middle of the, well, in the Sahara Desert there. Um, I think it's about um, oh, 150 kilometres or so southwest of Cairo, um, and over a 1,000 whale fossils have been found there. And, um, yeah, some, some of the whales are, you know, very well preserved. Matter of fact, some, well, some um, uh, specimens are uh, so well preserved, uh, according to this National Geographic article, that um, the, uh, even some of the stomach contents are intact. And... Um, I think this is uh, it's quite quite fascinating because you know we think of the Sahara Desert and all the sand dunes and of course as the, the sand has been blown away in some areas, it uh, revealed these uh, whale fossils that have been um, quite uh, well uh, preserved. Um, but there's a lot of other fossils too, um, fossils of sharks and uh, stingrays, crocodiles. Um, and even dugongs. Okay, so this, um, this is if I can if I can just jump in here for a moment. So clearly, this was a part of the world that once did not used to be desert; it used to be ocean. But the question, the big question that goes through my mind is, how do you get a thousand whales that are all killed, buried, and fossilized all at once if you're dealing with an evolutionary timeline? Well, that's right. And this is how these sort of scenarios are, are powerful evidence for Noah's flood. Yes. And the rapid um, uh, a burial of these animals, the rapid uh, killing of these um, animal creatures at that time. Because when you think about it, these creatures are creatures that live in water. And um, yet they've all been buried and preserved. And again, if if these sort of creatures just died natural causes in the water, uh, they they would have been eaten. We wouldn't have the fossils preserved as well as we have. Yeah, we know what, um, we know what happens in that scenario down. because we see it all the time. We can observe it. We know that you know if an animal, you know, if a whale just dies, then there are lots of creatures that live off that animal for a very long time off of that whale until there's pretty much nothing left. Yes, that's right. And um, and also it's quite fascinating. There's a, a similar scenario in the mountains of Peru where there are uh, there's uh, about 20 whales, I think, um, that, that sort of number, um, have been found a pot of whales, again exposed by the wind uh, up in the mountains in Peru. So what this is telling us is that the, the, there's been massive catastrophic um, changes that have occurred on the surface of the Earth in the past, very different to what we observe today. 
but the timelines that we're taught in school and um, and so forth about the ACUs all work on this very slow uniformitarian, slow erosion, you know, slow deposition, slow burial. Um, but it doesn't work. You can't you can't have both. Mm. And if you have these rapid catastrophic events that have buried these animals and changed the geography of the surface of the earth so dramatically, then you can't have timelines that are based on slow deposition. And our timelines of millions of years are based on that scenario. Mm. Mm. So it's quite um, quite fascinating. One of the the other things that fascinates me, um, I know it wasn't mentioned in this area, but mentioned in other articles, is that, of course, that in the same areas that these places are buried, they find, of course, remnants of um, human civilizations as well. You know, canoes, fishing gear, these sort of things um, were buried in the area. And it just reminds me of the same scenario that we have up in Queensland, here in, here in Australia. We're beginning now to to find an, um, a, you know quite a number of giant sea creature remains um, uh, there in uh, buried um, in Queensland, and what uh, again uh, alerts me to to this is that uh, the the farmers that found them found these giant bones sticking up out of the ground. They were like. Um, you know, they thought, oh, that's an unusual rock sticking up in the paddock there. And it turns out to be a giant, you know, thigh bone of a, of a dinosaur. So, again, this all points to sort of very recent um, scenarios. And it's interesting, as we date some of the um, indigenous, um, you know, sort of uh, campsites and, and, and this sort of thing, and we get, you know, values 20,000 years, 30,000 years, this sort of thing. When we also carbon date the soft tissue remains in these dinosaurs, we get exactly the same dates. And I I find it quite fascinating, you know, that the Indigenous people had, you know, the the yowies, these giant creatures that lived in the swamps, and we have the dragon stories of uh, Europe and, and so forth and of China. Um, so I think um, we really have power, very powerful evidence um, for the catastrophic flood and uh, also for a very, very short timeline um, for um, a lot of these creatures and particularly the marine creatures that, that would have been uh, preserved quite well after the, after the flood. So I, so I found this was... Uh, you know, quite fascinating because we think of the Sahara Desert and 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 so far, uh, you know, it's a, a long way from the uh, from the sea there and a desert area, and we've got the pyramids and and so forth. Uh, but you know, there's massive erosion occurring in these areas, like the erosion even of the the Sphinx and this sort of thing, just sand erosion, just wind erosion occurring. So we know these areas can't be millions of years old. They've got to be only thousands of years old. It makes you wonder how many of these kind of sites we just haven't discovered yet too, you know, that are just under the surface. I mean, you find, you know, some bones sticking up in Queensland and so we go and do some investigation and find a whole slew of animals that are all buried there together 
Um, how many how many farms are there in Queensland where there's something underneath the soil, but it's just you know a little bit too deep, and so nobody's ever actually looked there? It reminds me of you know a place that you and I are both very familiar with in Sandfly in Tasmania, Alan's Rivulet, where you've got yeah you know, a whole cliff face. It's just the whole thing is just made out of, made up of fossils. And I remember, you know, as a young person, you could pretty much pick up a rock off the side of the road that had been used for gravel, and it would be just packed full of fossils. How do you get how do you get so such depth? of fossils in one place. I mean, is this a situation from an evolutionary timeline? You'd think, well, all of these fossils had to go there and then be fossilised and then they go there and the next lot gets fossilised as well, whereas in the flood scenario, they all get washed together, buried together. It seems to me a much easier explanation. Oh, yes, definitely. And the other thing too is when um, you look at a, uh, you know, some of the photographs, say, of these uh, whale uh, Skeletons um, in the um, in the uh, found in the in the valley. There, you look at the surrounding topology, and these there's these perfectly flat mountains that have just been you know planed off and flat. And it just reminds me exactly the same scenario when you travel through central Australia. You see the these mountains, and they're just perfectly flat for kilometres and kilometres long, and you can see they've just been eroded off. And the only way this sort of, you know, perfectly horizontal um, layer can be formed is, again, through vast water movements. And, um, and, and we have these scenarios all around the world, you know, the same sort of topo- uh, topography uh, with these, you know, flat, planed-off uh, surfaces. And then, of course, in contrast to that too, we have these uh, valleys, sharp valleys, that have cut through the mountain ranges. And, um, you know, these, you know, a classic uh, scenario is, you know, the Grand Canyon, but even the Carnarvon Gorge in Queensland, when you look at the path of the, the river there, it hasn't followed the, the geological pathway of easiest flow. It has actually cut through the, the mountains uh, there, up there in the um, in central Queensland there. And so again, we have these massive evidences of of flood runoff causing these channels to cut through um, these mountains. And, and there's no other natural, um, you know, geological explanation for these in terms of you know the long tide lines and the very slow of the flow of the um, the rivers through the through the area. The other thing is, too, with, the, for example, the Carnarvon Gorge, you know, where's all the sediment that um, was uh, taken out of the gorge? It's, it's not in the local area. It's, it's gone. And the only way it can be gone is for a massive amount of water to have come through that area and, and just washed it a long way away. Mm. So, um, you know, we've got massive evidence for Noah's flood on on every continent it would seem and all around the world and yeah I just find it quite fascinating and yeah we went looking for whales the other uh, Sabbath and um, uh, down north here we didn't see any we saw an amazing uh, sea eagle flying but it just reminded me as we come into the whale watch season these these fossils and whales are pretty big animals Mm. and to have them buried and preserved you've got to you can't do this with, um, you know, a few millimetres or even a few centimetres of sediment depositing per year. The whole thing's going to be, you know, rotted, damaged, eaten, 
<laughs> in order to preserve you've got to, you've it, got to, you've got to kill it, yeah, kill it, and instantly cover it with literally tons of sediment instantly. Yeah, that's right. Especially to preserve the you know the stomach contents and all this sort of thing. And that's where in the um, you know this National Geographic article that the this is what impressed the observers how well these specimens are preserved. It's um, quite uh, fascinating. Yeah, if people want to uh, read it, it was uh, it's just an article called "The Valley of the Whales" in National Geographic, August two ten, it, pages one hundred eighteen, one hundred thirty seven. It's a great article. Hmm. The, uh, the the stomach contents fascinates me as well because you would imagine that you know the average whale that dies of old age probably wouldn't have a whole lot in its stomach. Um, you know, whereas whales that have died with a full stomach and have been instantly buried so that they could actually be fossilised indicates a healthy creature. To me, I, I would oh, assume yeah. that's a healthy creature yeah. that has been that has died from you know catastrophic circumstances rather oh, than. Oh, and there's young, young and old whales were all buried together, young and old. Mm. And as, and the, and the other fascinating thing is, and as I said, with dugongs and. Um, um, giant catfish, these are some of the uh, creatures that were, were buried. And the other fascinating thing is that these creatures haven't claimed, like it's claimed that it's, um, uh, I think it's about 35 million years old, 35 to 40 million years old, that's right, that they uh, reckon that this thing was buried. Well, the, the you know, the crocodiles and all this sort of thing are the same. They haven't evolved or anything in that time. <laughs> They're the, the, the same as uh, they are today. So it's a major, these sort of sites can be major problems for evolutionists. And I think, um, again, as we, we think about this, there's massive evidence for the flood mm. all around the world. And that should be a reminder of us of too, you know, that Peter... Um, reminds us that, yeah, just, you know, people mock the flood. They, you know, people these days mock, you know, believing in the Bible accounts and this sort of thing. Uh, but it really should be a stark reminder, yes, that God is going to return and, um, and judge us uh, humans for what we've done to each other and, and to, the, to the world. And we really need to, you know, come to terms with God and come and accept his... Uh, is salvation. It's an important message to take out to the world. Mm. Dr. John Ashton, thank you so much for joining us. We always really appreciate what you've got to share. Fascinating story and wild. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.